0: and As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination, and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh oh. Uh oh. Good afternoon. This is Aaron Addison here on American Family Radio. Now, Will Addison. This is Wednesdays with Will. Wednesdays with Will, and I'm live on location, Virginia Beach. We're at the uh, Homeschooling Convention, broadcasting from Virginia Beach. Uh, We'll be here the rest of the week, uh, all the way till Friday, doing the show live. And so if you would like to uh, see us and even continue to register for this conference, go to homeschoolingwithconfidence.org. Homeschoolingwithconfidence.org. We're live on location, baby. We're live on location. Um, So today I have two special guests with me. For Wednesdays with Will, we're going to talk homeschooling, we're going to talk fatherhood. Just, I think we're going to get a lot of wisdom from these guests today, where they're looking like maybe. (laughs) (laughs) But the primary responsibility for all fathers uh, is ministry to God first, and then through the home. Uh, This does not only mean financially or security-wise, but also spiritually. The fathers are the head of the homes, and the husband and wife are to be the primary disciple-makers of their children. And I've learned through homeschooling that having that time with my kids, because discipleship requires time. The num- number one feature uh, is time. If you can have that time with your children, it makes all the difference. And the scripture tells us, to ve- uh, t- tells us about the value of fathers. It said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your might. Uh, these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart you shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall uh, talk uh, to them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets uh, on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Deuteronomy chapter 6, 5 through 9. Another scripture, just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Uh, Another scripture, train up a child in the way he should go, or the way that he's bent, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And then Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4 said, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So today, today I have two guests with me. Paul Hastings, host of the largely popular Compelled podcast. Heard a lot about it. I I checked it out. Awesome. You can go to compelledpodcast.com to listen and subscribe. Compelled is a podcast that shares stories of of God's people carrying out his mission uh, in our world. And I love your scripture that you apply to that. uh, For the love of Christ compels us. Uh, Since we have reached this conclusion, if one died for all, then all died and he died for all, so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised, Second Corinthians 5, 14 uh, through 15. Paul and his wife, Sarah, have three children, ages four, two, and six months. Uh, Paul is a second-generation homeschooler, and so I just want to welcome Paul. Thank you for being here, man. Oh, thanks, Will. I appreciate it. Thanks for
1: let me come on man that's like the best intro i've had in a long time. that's awesome dude like wow i should bring you every time
0: <laughs> and my second guest here also i have Hal young with me uh hell has eight children right that's eight correct. children yep six boys mm-hmm. and two girls correct. man mm-hmm. all right he and his wife melanie are authors speakers but what i'm excited about is the experience hell has in raising boys. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. I have four boys, uh, two girls. And so I'm looking uh, to glean a lot of information and knowledge from from you. Uh, you can find out more about Hell by going to hellandmelanie.com. hellandmelanie.com. And so what I want to do, I want to start with, with Paul. And I want you to just introduce yourself a little bit more, maybe talk a little bit more about your, uh, your podcast, some of the guests that you've had on. And, uh, and and what you're doing with that. And, you know, there's a lot of people who are listening via the radio. This is the first time hearing you. And some people are very familiar with you. Sure. And so just give them a little introduction.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks, little I appreciate that. Well, um, so just a little way of introduction. Mm-hmm. I have a podcast called Compel It's not homeschool specific. Right. Uh, but we've had a lot of really cool stories on there that tied into homeschooling, actually. Yeah. Uh, a couple years ago, my wife and I, maybe three years ago, my wife and I thought, hey, you know, wouldn't it be cool if we took a lot of these testimonies we hear from our friends mm-hmm. and turned these into podcast episodes and shared some of these? And so we sit down with a professional film editor, and we will turn these into audio uh, dramatizations, if you yeah. want to call that. So we spend like about 40 hours t- taking each of these stories and really souping them up. So just one example I'll give you. Uh, we had this one guest. Her name is Gracia Burnham, and mm. she was a homeschool mom, a missionary in the Philippines. She was kidnapped wow. by Muslim terrorists back in 2001 and held in the jungles for a year. Wow. In the jungles. And while she's in the jungles, she and her husband experienced every form of horror you can imagine, whether from dehydration, starvation, gun battles. The, uh, some of their fellow captives were beheaded. Mm. It was terrible. And the whole time she's asking herself, she's saying, how could God love me in a moment like this? How could Mm. God abandon us when we were serving him? And the final day of her captivity, she was rescued by the Filipino military, but they accidentally shot her husband and killed him. The day she was rescued. Wow! And so she's flown out in a helicopter, and she leaves her husband's body on the mountainside of this dreary, sad day. And she's asking herself and grieving. She's asking herself, "How could I possibly ever forgive the terrorists who are responsible for this nightmare that we went through?" Mm. And I tell you what, I later then interviewed her eighteen years later, eighteen years after all of this went down, and I sat down with her in in, in my wife's hometown in Derby, Kansas. And she had so much grace and forgiveness she exuded. She shared with us how she has gone out of her way to find the terrorists. It's been 20 years. Most of those guys have either been executed or are life in prison. Wow. She's gone out of her way to find the children of those terrorists and pay for each of them to go to college out of her own pocket. Wow! And what kind of what kind of God <laughs> could motivate someone to forgive someone like yeah. that? So that's what we do on our show. We find people with unique stories of how God has transformed or changed their life.
0: Awesome, man! That's wow. powerful. That's 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 a powerful story and just the realization of forgiveness, you know, and the power behind forgiveness. Praise Amen. God for that. Amen. So, Hal, why don't you uh, let us know more about you and, and your ministry and uh, kind of what you guys do? Man,
2: am I supposed to follow up a story
0: like that? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Okay.
2: Well, yeah, we are, uh, as you mentioned, we're the parents of eight kids. We had uh, six boys, one after another, and then two girls at the end. Um, That was not, you know, a grand design or anything, (laughs) but it was what God provided along the way. And uh, when we had, I guess when, back when we had four boys, uh, people started asking questions like, how do you manage four boys? I'm going crazy with one. Yeah. And so we started getting invitations to talk to homeschool support groups and uh, at conferences and things and started just started talking about homeschooling boys and then we we realized that there was a lot of misunderstanding out in the community about what God was doing what God had built into our sons that maybe mom because she's never been a boy mom may (laughs) not connect up all of these things she just sees that this boy is harder to manage than Mm. his sister was Mm -hmm. and she doesn't know what to do next and so we started talking about it then In the course of time, we ended up writing our first book, which is called Raising Real Men. Um, And the focus on this is not, you know, we're trying to train a generation of alligator wrestlers, but rather to say, we want to train up a a generation of young men who are courageous and equipped to do whatever God has called them to do. If they're to be underwater demolition experts, or if they're meant to be art historians, it doesn't matter. If God's called them into it, Mm -hmm. we want them to pursue it with a godly courage, and we Mm -hmm. want to encourage parents to embrace the way that God has made their sons rather than to say, well, I wish they were easier to manage. They're not meant to be easier to manage. Yeah. The the challenge for us as parents is to recognize what God is doing and adapt our
0: parenting to encourage and to build that up. Oh man, that's good, that's good. Okay. We're gonna talk more about uh, raising boys and um, you know just specific roles of fathers uh, within the homeschooling context because that's something that I've been having to figure out um, you know moms have a, a way of doing things they're pretty uh, uh, weld oil machine <laughs> type people uh, and then sometimes when the father's there it's like okay what, what do I do how, how do I really be a part of this and so we're going to talk a bit more about that but Paul I want to ask you uh, concerning being a second generation homeschooler like how was it growing up being homeschooled because that's foreign to me. Yeah. In in my upbringing, you know, it's public school, and a lot of my peers, all of them, pretty much except one, uh, was homeschooled. But uh, we we were public school students. So how was that uh, being raised as a homeschooler?
1: Yeah, you know that's a great question. You know, I'll give you a little background on that. So my dad he was raised by two lifelong public school teachers, actually. And so they had begun teaching right after World War II. They Mm. taught for, I don't know, 40 or 50 years in the public school system. My dad was an only child. And when he, I think it was in the 1980s, he heard a broadcast on Focus on the Family with James Dobson about (laughs) homeschooling. My dad had never heard this idea before, but he really liked it. And so he went back and told his parents, and he, he wasn't even married yet, didn't have kids or anything, and he went back and told his parents the lifelong public school teachers is like, hey, I, I kind of like this idea. It sounds yeah. pretty cool. <laughs> and my grandparents loved it, actually. They were like, yeah, that that sounds pretty legit. Yeah. So a few years later, my dad got married. Uh, my mom is from Thailand. Okay. And so I'm half and half. I'm half Thai, half, half, half uh, English, American, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, uh, they decided to start homeschooling. And so my grandparents at this point, they're retired. And so they volunteered to help homeschool us. That's amazing. It was really cool. It was like <laughs> the best tutoring you could possibly imagine. Yeah. But my grandpa had this very unique way of homeschooling. So like he had, you know, he had come from World War II. Mm-hmm. And so whenever we would learn anything about history and he would have been a history major, you know, we'd look, look through our textbooks or whatever. And then he'd just like close it and he'd say like, guys, Forget it. Let me tell you how it really happened. See, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. And
0: we found ourselves having to do that even now with some things in in, in history and say, hold on, we're going to stop here and we're going to kind of pick up you Know in this other curriculum, you know, maybe by David Barton or something. You know, it's it, it, we've we've had to adjust, yeah. And I think you should do that, you know, if you have to. But it's awesome that your grandparents were on board because a lot of time, well, I know in the context that I was in, grandparents don't understand it, yeah. They're like, you're gonna do what, yeah? You know, how mm-hmm. <laughs> can you do that? Like, you know, like is that legal, you know? <laughs> and and so that your grandparents were on board, you know, you have that like generational thing going on that that's supporting you know, what you're doing, so what your parents were doing. But how did that affect you and and as far as you wanting to be a homeschool dad, like did yeah. that set you on that course?
1: It did, it did. Like, you know, I've had other friends who maybe they had uh, less than ideal experiences, but I had a great experience being yeah. homeschooled. I really enjoyed that. One thing that I really valued from that was the ability to learn for myself, mm. and uh, uh, I really treasure that. I also treasure all the moments I had with my grandparents. Eventually they, they passed away, and so, you yeah. know, but at that point – uh, my siblings and I, we had been taught how to teach our own selves. And so at the point that they passed away, we continued educating ourselves. And of course, my parents were involved as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was a really great experience. And so when I got married... Uh, you know, my biggest concern about looking for a wife, first off was that she was a Christian and she loved Jesus. But my Amen. second big concern was like, I want to make sure I find a wife who's okay with homeschooling. Right. Yeah. Cause like, yeah. I recognize <laughs> like, that's going to be your, your role. You're know, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm probably going to do the, the, the frontline duty. You're going to do that. Mm-hmm. So I was blessed. My wife, she was homeschooled too. She lived in Kansas. I lived in Texas, wow. uh, but she had been homeschooled K through 12, just like me actually and so uh, God just worked it out. And so of course, then we thought, well, hey, as we have kids, of course we're gonna homeschool. And, and now we've started doing that. Our oldest is four, and so we've uh, we transitioned very well, I think.
0: Wow, that's awesome, that's awesome. Awesome story, love to hear that. Uh, Hal, I wanted to ask you, before we go to this break and get started, what motivated you guys to homeschool? Like, How did you even uh, really get into doing that? Well, it was, it,
2: at the time that uh, we were young, even not quite parents yet, um, it was something that was just coming up in discussion out in public and we were starting to meet people in churches who mm-hmm. were getting involved. And, you know, our main concern was we wanted to, we wanted to give our children a distinctively Christian education and that seemed to be the best route to, to okay. take for it. Yeah. And, and that was, uh, that was one of our major motives. It wasn't the only one. Yeah. But you know, one of the things we one of the things we found is that as, uh, as we got involved in it, the reason that you continue
0: homeschooling often is different than the reason you first started. Mm. okay well let's stop right there we're gonna uh, go into a break this is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio live in Virginia Beach at the homeschooling convention we'll talk more about that we'll be back right after this He's the reason why I sing His name is Jesus He's the ruler of everything All right, we're back. Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio. I think I'm blowing hell out, man. Let's see. Trying to work the...
2: Try that second knob
0: there. This one? Yeah. All right, that better? No. (laughs) Is that better? Okay, I think so, yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay.
1: The wonders of technology.
0: All right. (laughs) Yeah, this is Aaron Addison. We're live, see? We're live on location. And so these type of things happen, especially when I'm running the board and trying to (laughs) host at the same time. But we're here at the Homeschooling with uh, Confidence uh, convention. You can uh, register. You still can register. You can see what's going on because we're actually on on video Mm -hmm. at uh, homeschoolingwithconfidence.org, homeschoolingwithconfidence.org. And so uh, we've been talking about fatherhood. We've been talking about homeschooling and the experiences uh, that these two brothers bring and uh, Hal was talking about his reason for, for uh, homeschooling in the first place. And uh, he said there was a few different reasons. He gave mm-hmm. one. What are some of those other reasons?
2: Well, okay, you know, I think our maybe our first and most important reason was that we wanted to have a distinctively Christian education for our children. But beyond that, we felt that pedagogically that we could do a, an excellent job teaching our children so that they wouldn't be stuck sitting in a class of, mm. you know, 30 unrelated kids and, you know, leaving no one behind means that a lot of people are sitting there twiddling their thumbs. A yeah. lot of time's wasted. A lot of potential is wasted. And so we wanted to give them a better educational experience as well as better content, if you will.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I would say, you know, uh, for my family, uh, we, we started off, we were missionaries uh, mm-hmm. to the uh, college campuses, to secular universities uh, through an uh, organization. Uh, called Kyle for Christian Fellowship. And so our heart was, and still is, uh, missions. You know, we feel like even this radio program is uh, missionary work. Um, and so our thought going into um, having children were, oh, no, they're going to be in the public schools. They're going to win their, their, their peers for Christ. You know, we're going to send them out there. And so, but once we had the children, you know, and we, we did start off in, in public school, um, and we had some experiences there, and it was mainly peer-to-peer uh, influence, and it was things that they were coming home with, it was like, what did you learn that? Uh, it wasn't here, you know, and so uh, we started having some major problems with that, and also some of the academic things as well, but the heartbeat and the focus for why we uh, really wanted to to uh, do homeschooling was to disciple our kids. Mm -hmm. And again, I I talked about in the first segment, time, having that time. Whoever wins the the time war wins. And, you know, so if they're in a a setting for eight hours every day and they're being indoctrinated with, you know, all these types of uh, ideas, well, they're going to win. They're going to build and mold your child into what they want them to be. And so we didn't want uh, those influences having the lion's share of the time. Mm-hmm. That was a that was a big thing because we're called to make disciples, you know. And a lot of times we look at the Great Commission, and we think other people, you yeah. know, uh, you know, foreign lands, and we forget about home, which is the first ministry, you know. And so, really, you have little disciple disciples in your home that, that need to be uh, raised and trained. And so, that was really the heart of uh, of why we uh, wanted to homeschool and still are homeschooling because we see the great benefit in being able to to train our children in the ways of the Lord, you know, and for them to see the younger ones to see the older ones grow, and and just it's just an awesome dynamic. Um, Hell, I want to ask you in mm-hmm. having so um, like six boys, you know, I can imagine organizationally. I don't, I'm not sure. How did that? come together like how did you what did the day look like how you know free-flowing was it (laughs) it uh rough and tumble is a good (laughs) phrase
2: you know you just recognize when you're raising boys that this is um you know they're not a flock they're a herd and Mm. you just recognize there's there's going to be noise there's going to be um let's say activity some people say violence well not necessarily but it's going to be it's going to be active yeah and there's going to be some uh you know, you're going to have to, to be a lot of uh, do a lot of refereeing and coaching. Yeah. You know, not just a matter of uh, pointing and and saying go do this. But yeah. um, that that was the big thing. You know, a big thing for us, and that was a thing that we find a lot of uh, a lot of families struggle with, particularly if they had girls first and then that boy comes along later, and they mm-hmm. think the girls were so easy. I understood the <laughs> girls. The girls wanted to please me. My son just <laughs> wants to know why. What's in it for me? Why do I need to do this? What are the boundaries? Are they still are they still boundaries today? And, and that's, you know, that's just the nature of the male mind, you know, and it's not necessarily a conflict. That's just the way that guys deal with the reality around them and understanding that, that when your son, you know, wants to know why he really wants to understand, you know, Mm. he he wants you to give him a reason, you know, not to say prove it to me or I won't believe it, but rather to say, no,
0: I I just want to have the the evidence. Yeah. That's all I'm asking. Wow. So going into it, did you have... Was that the mindset that had to kind of evolve? Because it seems like you would want to be more structured and say, okay, we're going to do it like this. And, you know, but then over time, as you realize "Oh, that's not going to work, you kind of adjust on the fly. How how did you guys approach that?
2: You know, you just, you grow into the kids that you've got, you know, that that they don't come in a package like eggs. They're all identical (laughs) and they don't come all at the same time. And so you learn as you grow as a parent, And as you grow together as a family, you learn, hey, I've got to handle this young man in a particular way. And his brother maybe needs a little different handling, a little different Mm. finesse in the way that you interact with him. It's all good. But you just learn that as you learn the parenting task. You know, that's one of these things. I think there's a, a tendency in our American thinking to, re- to believe well when I hit this threshold I get the merit badge and everything is settled from there mm. okay I get to 18 and I'm a grown up and I'm cool right you know <laughs> and I get married and everything is sweet after that no it's just the next step you learn the next step and you learn from those who've gone before you and you learn from your own experience and parenting's the same way you don't have that first baby and then okay great I'm a parent now I got it mm. you know you yeah. are always learning and I'll give you a hint too because I'm older than you are yeah you know what, when they get they get grown up and get married, you're still out there you're helping still a You're still answering <laughs> questions. You're still giving advice, but you you smile a lot and you say, Hey, it looks a little make, different. You gotta make your own, <laughs> own decision, son. But this is what I think I see here. What are the ages of your children? My oldest is thirty one. Wow. Okay. Oldest is thirty one. My youngest is twelve. And okay. They are uh We've got two that are married. We've got two grandkids. Okay. Uh, we've got four, four who graduated from college, and one in college, one starting college this mm. semester. So. so, okay. So yeah.
0: out of you and your wife, uh, who was the most like organized one, and who was the one that was more like, ah, oh, let's just kind of free flow it. Wow. You know, it depends on the subject. Okay. It depends
2: It depends on what because there's some things that I'm totally cool about, and I don't get flustered <laughs> over. Other things, I'm really particular, and my wife's the same way. And uh, we are a really good team. She is, uh, y- you can see that she was like specially ordained.
0: 1 through 14a. And the word became flesh. The word became flesh. <laughs> yeah. The word became flesh. The word became flesh. The word I'm became something flesh. something in my ear. Be- All right. sorry about that um i wanted to ask about um building character because as they grow you know um you know you see flaws character flaws Mm -hmm. you know and there there are things that have to um be worked out hell i ask you since you have gone through gone to where Mm -hmm. i'm trying to get to Mm -hmm. how did you guys approach these character flaws as they were developing and and make sure that you didn't stifle your child like it wasn't you know like you can't do anything, or, but at the same time, give them some leeway and, and seeing the character flaws and letting them kind of fail and letting them, you know, uh, make mistakes and all of that. Mm. That can be difficult.
2: Wow. And, that's, and there's not one answer that's good the whole time okay. either. You know, the fundamental thing that we've had to deal with in parenting is that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Mm-hmm. Even that sweet little thing you just brought home from the hospital. Poor child, he's inherited sin from his daddy. Oh, my word. But you know what? You can you can approach parenting that child with grace saying, you know what? We've got time to deal with this character issue. That little one in diapers right there, he can't help it. He's born a sinner. Mm. That's just the way he is. And as he gets older, you start to shape that behavior. And then as they get older beyond that, you're not just trying to shape behavior. You're trying to shape the understanding. That's the, mm. the That's where purely that's, discipline gets into the discipleship. Yeah yeah and so you know you ask how do you build character number one you model it you be the example mm-hmm. you know you be the role model for that child and and look at the example that jesus gave when he when jesus raised disciples what did he do he, he showed, didn't go buy a nifty him. curriculum yeah. he didn't give them pop tests on thursdays right. he 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 brought them around them. he mm-hmm. lived in front he of let them watch he explained yeah. what he was doing he yeah. said now let's go do it together yeah. okay you understand it now you go do it come back and tell me how it works yeah and that's such a powerful way for raising our kids. You live with them, you show them, you work together, and then as they get older, you start to back away and say, now here, you go do it, and let's let's look at how it worked out. Mm. And that works on whether you're talking about dealing with character issues or if you're dealing with positive skills.
0: Man, so how was it when you did have the mess-ups like, and you had to, I guess I'm thinking... You know, you don't want your kid to mess up, but they will because you did. You know, it's just it's gonna happen. But when it happens, was there a kind of okay, let's step back and collect ourselves before we go in or you know, how did you guys approach that?
2: Um, well, we had to learn it as we went along. <laughs> yeah. But, but you know, there's a lot of those things you have to you have to say, okay, time out, everybody separate, mm. let's sit down, let's just talk about what happened here. Yeah. You know, let's talk about the way that you were speaking to your mama, or let's talk about the way that you were treating your little sibling here, mm-hmm. or let's talk about what you just told me, which I know is not true, mm-hmm. and we're going to talk about lying and the consequences of lying and lack of integrity. And you take those opportunities, that's that's where the real-life discipleship's happening. Yeah. You take those life real opportunities say, you right. know what? Son, what you just did, God has a word for that. Mm. And it's called sin. Come on. And we've got to talk about why that's a sin and we open up the scriptures. And we look at the passages that talk about that particular act of sin and say, now, look, God is concerned about this. So we've got to be concerned about this. And so let's talk about how do you recover from this kind of sin? You know, what does repentance look like? You know, what does forgiveness look like? We've got to model that forgiveness when
0: the time comes as well. No, oh, that's awesome. That's awesome, man. Great, great, great stuff. Stuff. I'm, I'm taking notes in my mind. I'm, <laughs> I'm, apply, I'm a, I will apply that stuff, uh, as well. Now, Paul. Now, is it true that you were able to go through college, uh, for under ten thousand dollars?
1: That is true. How? I... <laughs> well, you know, that's a long story. And, you know, I'll be talking about that uh, later today, okay. actually. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I'll, I'll give you two prior tips. One is I did a lot of dual credit. So while I was still in high school, I did a lot uh, in college. And ah. so you do that. lot. So while you, I was like 16, 17, you 18, doing dual college? credit classes. Yeah. Okay. So while I was studying stuff for that high school, sense. doing it and then the other power tip was credit by exam so i did a lot of exams that then gave me college credit as well i'm sure man i'm listening to hal here and i'm just like thinking this like man this is great what you just said about like a the difference between a herd and a flock oh my mm. goodness i'm going to go home and like use that with my kids like cuz i totally see what you're talking about because like our daughter totally she was a people pleaser right she was mm. born from the womb and that, for me as a parent That's great, right? Mm -hmm. Because she, you know, when we point out something wrong, now maybe her motivations are wrong, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But she wants to do what's right if we point it out, my son totally different and he's mm. two years old right and, and already just I can already see it and like he's into like things that like you know hitting things with sticks mm-hmm. drawing on the walls I have crayon. one of those yeah <laughs> for sure and my, my daughter oh no like we'd said oh don't do that she never would have done it you know mm. and so I really appreciate what you're saying there Hal I'm well, like writing notes down well, here
2: well you know we found with the girls really want to maintain relationships you know we were watching a, a Broadway a Broadway musical that was made into a film some years ago and our like our four-year-old daughter, you got to the big scene at the end where there's a big argument and it's all played for laughs. Mm-hmm. She was offended because people's <laughs> feelings were hurt. That's not funny. <laughs> you know, the boys like to manipulate their environment they want to yeah. make noises they want to move things they want to take stuff apart or they break it or throw it you know they're very physical and the emotional stuff kind of goes
1: past them yeah totally and,
2: and so you have to kind of play each of them where they where they live
1: yeah right and way. again i can see that with my kids already my, my daughter's four and my yeah. son is two and i totally see what you're talking about how yeah. well wow, i'm just like wow and
0: it, having that ability to kind of see where they are 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 bent you know um how have you used that to kind of, um, I guess, provide opportunities for them in what they kind of are bent towards? And what I'm saying is I have, you know, a daughter who's very much into art. She likes to draw. And so we just naturally. And so we saw that we want to help get her, you know, uh, into stuff like that. I have another daughter who loves video and, you know. And so we have th- those those things. How did you guys, um, I guess, see those things and what did you do to try to prepare them to to, to meet those goals that they kind of had in their hearts already mm-hmm. as far as uh, uh, careers and things like that?
2: Well, you, you know, you you do see certain traits starting mm-hmm. to emerge in your kids, certain interests. And yeah. same, they, they seem to have a, a gift for certain things. Right. And as you cover the fundamentals, because they all need to be able to read, they all need to be able right. to write legibly <laughs> right. But you want to look for opportunities that where they can develop the gifts that seem to be in them yeah built into them Mm -hmm. and so like we had uh, we had one son who has always been a businessman at heart he has always wanted to wanted to sell (laughs) things wanted to build things he you know and um, so as as he was going through high school you know melanie created high school electives for him on businesses and entrepreneurship and business planning and things like that he went to college and he studied in the Department of Business. He got a degree in finance, but his second degree was on business and entrepreneurship.
0: Wow. That's and cool. he was
2: he was starting new businesses while he was in college.
0: So. Wow. Man, see, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's very encouraging, too, because sometimes, uh, you know, you see those things, but uh, trying to find a way to to get them in there so they can grow in that. It can be difficult, you know, um, but creating things that would help them to grow in that would, would be would be awesome. And I'm thinking about my son right over there. was bent in that way all right well this is Aaron addison's here on american family radio i'm here at the homeschooling confidence conference homeschooling with confidence is what i want to say unstoppable is the theme and we'll be back right after this Madison's here on American Family Radio at the Homeschooling with Confidence uh, Convention here in Virginia Beach. And there's a lot of people I'm seeing on monitors out there, so I've been told that they can see me. If you can see me, let me see your hand, Uh, emoji or something. Ah, look. All right. And look, if you guys have any questions for us, I've, I've been told that you can ask questions and that we'll see it on the monitor here, and so we can answer those questions. Uh, I was just kind of focused in, because I'm I'm a radio guy, so I'm used to, like, talking to someone I can't see, <laughs> unless they're in studio with me. Um, but also, just to let you know that my wife, Miki, uh, will be uh, co-hosting the show tomorrow and on Friday, so I'm sure she would do much better uh, at this visual <laughs> portion than I am right now. But uh, my guests today, Paul Hastings and Hal Young, been talking about fatherhood talking about homeschooling just different topics they've been giving me a lot of, of wisdom and i have to tell you and so with COVID, uh covet 19 the whole lockdowns and all those things that were going on uh actually my job went to uh, a flexible schedule and it's crazy because before that happened i had been praying and talking to Mickey about man I want, I want to be more involved in what's going on here you know and i i i I feel like there are things that i'm not seeing that i should see and and so that happened and and then my job was like okay we're doing flexible schedule and so you come in at this time this time and so it gave me a lot more time at home and i'm and praise god i'm able to see a lot of things that i I wouldn't normally have seen uh able to interact a matter of fact when i first start really sitting in you know with the kids doing the homeschooling stuff the lessons they call me the new kid like oh we got, we got a new kid here um but for, for dads it can be kind of awkward sometimes and i will tell you i was in the office most of the time and uh, miki was doing the bulk of the whole homeschooling she still does the bulk of it but i i do a lot more now uh just because of time so as a dad like how do you guys um what do you guys do like how do you fit in what do you teach classes? Do you do Bible study portions or do you do, you know, special projects? Um, I served for a while as the principal. And so, you know, it was like, well, I'm gonna give you the report of what's going on, you know, what's happening. And if I need to, you know, address some things, but now I feel like, no, I'm a teacher and a principal. I'm in there. And so, but how, what, what does it look like for you guys? Or what did it look like like for you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing I'll mention, so, you know, like I said at the, at the top of the program, I've got young kids, four, two, and six months, but we really started homeschooling when our daughter was three years old, actually. We started doing pre, uh, pre-K pre stuff, okay. and I work from home, too, too, actually, and so it was really interesting for me because, like, I could hear everything that my, my wife was doing with my daughter, and I just have such an immense appreciation for the work that my mom, my wife does as a homeschooling mom. And so one of the things though that, you know, I've been able to plug in and and like what you're saying, like how do I become more involved? One way I've been able to plug in is just really being aware of what they're teaching. Mm -hmm. So we have thin walls in our house. (laughs) I, I hear everything that they're saying, but then I'm able to go out and when I have lunch with my daughter, I'm able to ask her questions that she just learned about. And I'm able to ask her, like, hey, what'd you do? And I know what she did. I know what she was learning. Mm-hmm. And I can ask her about those things and delve, uh, dive deeper sometimes. Okay. And then one other thing that we've really made it really intentionally so that I can participate in is family discipleship. So we make it a really big point that even though our kids are young, we start at like six months, we'll do family discipleship. So at, at home, we'll keep it really simple. Uh, and so we'll read the Bible. and It can be like just a few verses. Uh, we'll read a little Bible storybook mm. to accompany that. Mm-hmm. And then I'll ask a question, and then my daughter can ask me a question. And my son is two. He doesn't speak yet. I know he can speak, but he, <laughs> he has chosen not to speak yet. So, But he will ask questions at some point. I know it's true. Yeah, And then we'll sing a song. Um, it can be like a really simple, like Jesus loves me, or maybe we'll sing a hymn, and that's just mm-hmm. something that we do. And I, I've, I view that as a fundamental part of homeschooling, yeah. even though we call that family discipleship. Yeah, that's what homeschooling is, though. It is a form of discipleship. Yeah. That's so that's one way I've been able to find a plug in there. Okay, yeah. and, and you know, you you
2: quoted what we think of as the homeschooling theme verse in Deuteronomy 6 about all the times that you're supposed to be speaking of God's Word to your kids. You know, it's when you rise up and you sit down, when you walk in the way, when you sit at the table together. I mean, that's that's around the clock. Yeah. It's not something that happens between 9 and 9.30 on five days of the week. It's yeah. It's something which whenever there's an opportunity, you point your kids back to it to say, you know... The Bible does teach us about this. This yeah. is a principle that we've talked about before. Do you understand why this is an important thing? Yeah. And so, you know, you also touched on, I think, a really critical thing that it is that time element. Yeah. You know, it's being there because I think sometimes, particularly if you're really a Type A, organized type of guy, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's very tempting to think, okay, we're going to have like, uh, okay, nine o'clock on Tuesday morning. Uh, you got twenty minutes. Open up your heart. Okay, no, that's not when you're going to have those really golden moments. It's going to be because dad was there, he was spending time with the kids, and there's Mm -hmm. going to be a lot of time that you think, eh, that wasn't important. And then every so often something will happen when you're not expecting it, and you say, I am so glad that I was here to answer that question or to address that particular character issue or whatever it is. And so the fact that, you know, we're blessed that we're able to work from home but a lot of folks didn't really count it a blessing that they were finding <laughs> themselves working from home this year right but honest to goodness that was such an opportunity it really to was to spend the time just yeah. embedded in your family yeah. and in your day-to-day life of your kids yeah you know what a great chance you've got to, to deal with their hearts
0: no you, you, you're right about it i think it was a tremendous blessing you know and being able to uh share more time sitting on you know the uh the history lessons and the different things that, and and have these discussions like right now you know we're going through the book of galatians and then also we're going through uh the book uh, knowing god by j.i. packer you know being able to talk about those things in addition to the the academic stuff and being there present you know is, is it's been a blessing for me you can see the maturation of, of the children and how they're growing, uh, the ones that profess to be uh, Christians, how they're growing in the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I have a friend of mine who, uh, uh, when all this came down, the, the pandemic and stuff like that, he has shifted more to being uh, involved in the homeschool. His, his wife was, was was really just doing everything. And so, but that can also pose a little tension. If if your wife have things going, like, like I say, well or machine, you know, the, the father can come in and, and like, what am I supposed to do? You know, uh, how do I even get in? You know, I don't want to mess stuff up. What would you guys say to to someone who, a dad that's struggling and say, I, you know, I want to be more involved, but I feel like I'm going to mess stuff up. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I know for at least, at least with us, you know, one thing is I've, I've learned probably the hard way is that it's better to de- defer to my wife if she's already got her own system and rhythm like, hey, you know, I'm not the one who's actually going to deal with the consequences of what I say. Uh, I've learned that it's important if I have an idea, like, hey, I think we should do it differently to say it privately to my wife, right? Instead of in front of the kids because then my four-year-old will like, oh, pick up, oh, well, dad thinks this is wrong, you know. So I'll do that privately with her. But then on the flip side, again, I'm just so lucky that my wife, she'll ask me, she'll seek to ways to include mm. me. And so I'd, I'd also encourage any wives out here listening, mm-hmm. you know, look for ways that your husband can get involved in, and, and seek him out, actually. I think your husband, even if he hasn't voiced it, he probably would love to be more active in the homeschooling, mm. but he may not feel the the license to ask. Yeah. And so maybe, you know, I'd encourage the, the ladies out there to, you know, go ahead and ask their husbands, like, hey, is there something you'd like to do? So my wife will come do that, and then I'll be able to share a few thoughts. And so we've been able to both mutually help out increase our homeschooling that way
0: because I would think the, the wives would want the, the fathers to be more involved right mm-hmm. um but I, I think also if they have something going that's really working and and maybe the dad is more of like a management type guy he's like mm-hmm. no let's try this it could also cause a little friction there you yeah. know mm-hmm. what about what you yeah. Well, you
2: know, it's kind of funny. In our home state of North Carolina, because the homeschool law was basically an amendment to an existing private school law, when you file your notice of intent with the state, you designate who is your chief instructor and who is your administrator of your (laughs) homeschool. Well, you know, most families that we knew, the chief instructor obviously was mom, and so dad was the principal, the administrator. And actually, you know, it's kind of funny. It's a little bit of a joke, but really and truly, we've seen it over and over in our own family and other families too that mom is in the trenches so often day to day and a lot of times she can get mired down and dad who is not doing the day-to-day struggle Mm -hmm. has a little more freedom to say well honey have you looked at a different alternative you know Mm -hmm. have you considered changing curriculum yeah you know and sometimes you know some moms really struggle with that say i bought this curriculum we're going to make it work well maybe that wasn't the right choice and that's there's no penalty for that just say maybe you need to try a different curriculum we had we had one math curriculum that worked great for three or four of our kids and then we had a couple that didn't think the same way we had to change curriculum there's not a single right answer but sometimes you need to have somebody who can kind of step back and say hey you know from a little higher altitude it looks like this might be a solution to your problem could mm-hmm. you consider that mm-hmm. you know and that's that's one of the roles that even a dad who's not doing the day-to-day teaching you know i think can can offer some perspective and be a sounding board yeah. to the to the mom who is doing the teaching yeah
0: yeah definitely so um that's a great way to to be involved and not have what we what we try to call in our in our home a takeover spirit you know right. <laughs> where that's it's right. like i'm going to come in and show you how it's done you know um but this has been a great opportunity as far as having more time uh, to be able to to be more involved. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you guys about uh, furthering ed- education, like as far as college and stuff like that. Are you guys of the opinion or the mindset that your children have to go to college? Or do you guys, are you uh, more of, well, let's see, you know, what what happens. Maybe there's a trade. Because I know some people are hardcore, like they're going to college and, and this and that, you know, and really no room for... You know, no wiggle room. What what do you guys think?
2: Wow, that's a loaded question because that's a (laughs) conversation that uh, some of our family was having with us just recently. Um, (laughs) You know, we're of the the opinion that in a larger philosophical, global sort of sense, you don't have to have a college degree to live a a fulfilled, successful life. But in a credential-driven society, which our kids are growing up in, whether you have a credential or not is going to open or leave doors closed. And Mm. so as much as our kids are able, we have we have directed them all toward a college track. And it's not all the same college. They've all gone to different types of schools. They've studied different things. But, you know, within, the, within the, the boundaries of what God seems to have gifted them in and what their individual calling has been, we've encouraged them to consider higher education simply because we've seen, again, in our extended family, we've seen people who were very capable of doing jobs but couldn't even get their resumes reviewed because they mm-hmm. didn't have that that piece of paper in the record. So, yeah. so that that's kind of our approach to it. We say, okay, we're going to aim for college unless something specifically directs us differently.
1: Okay. And for me, you know, speaking as someone that, you know, again, my kids are still young, but yeah. I recently graduated from college six years ago, seven years ago, whatever it was, whoop de do <laughs> But, you know, at least for me, and again, this is, you know, I've been in the job environment where I've been looking for a job, you know, and uh, I've got good employment now. But I, I can say that, you know, definitely I've seen some areas where having a degree is helpful, but it, more often than not, at least for me, um, I have been more interested in whether or not people have actual work experience. Mm. And I know sometimes it takes a job to get another job, you know. Yeah. But I've went, So I've been involved in a lot of hiring lately. And one of the things that we look for in people's resumes is not necessarily where their education came from. Uh, whether they have a degree or an advanced degree, but rather we're looking like what was your actual work experience? Did you work during during college? That would matter to me because yeah. that tells me, okay, you have certain character traits that I'm looking for. Um, now, of course, if you went to an Ivy League school, yes, that would matter to me as hiring somebody. Like, okay, if you went to Harvard University, okay, that, that might be, you know, you might be really smart. Maybe I should hire you. But, you know, uh, uh, apart from like a Harvard degree or an Ivy League degree, you know, I would encourage parents, at least for me, I would encourage parents, like, hey, you know, there are some alternatives that are going to be cheaper than a traditional college experience. One example is, like, if your kid is interested in coding, you know, mm-hmm. yes, they could go yeah. to get a computer science degree and spend, right. like, you know, maybe 30, 30, 6, 30 to 60 grand getting that degree. Right. Or they could go get a Google IT certification for a couple thousand dollars. And, you know, that to work really hard to get that certification. Yeah. Yeah. But they could do it from home, do it a lot cheaper. So it's going to kind of, I think, depend on like what they're actually interested in pursuing for the actual career path, I think.
2: That's a good point because my degree is in electrical engineering and I worked as an electrical engineer and basically had to have the, you know, had to have the certification there to do some of the things that I did. But I have a son who's got a degree in a different field altogether, but he went through an apprenticeship program after Mm -hmm. he got out to build on the IT skills that he had built up as a sideline while he was in college. And he's now a very successful programmer and developer which you know he's surrounded by people who did exactly what you're talking about they went through a non-traditional let's say a not a non-institutional sort of training and really in that particular industry that seems to be a more productive
0: route Mm. yeah okay well we only have a uh, couple minutes left i just wanted to get you guys's uh, last words if there are fathers out there who may be trying to decide whether they should lead their family into homeschooling. They've been thinking about it, praying about it. What would you guys tell them as far as, you know, um, as a word of encouragement or just some advice advice if they're in that situation right now? You first. Okay.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, I have uh, actually, uh, we have some friends that recently just started homeschooling. They they had their kids in public school for a long time, but they just started homeschooling, actually, young family. And I think the thing was that God laid it on both of the parents' hearts, especially on the mom's heart. But for any dads that are listening, you know, if that's something that is on your heart, begin praying about it and really ask that God would lay, lay that on your wife's heart as well. And, you know, one
2: thing we would see, too, is if you are just starting the idea of homeschooling, your kids have been in an institutional school somewhere, you decide, let's, let's do this at home go ahead and make a commitment let's spend a year on it because there's a lot of transition when you're going from the institutional school model to a home education model that you're not going to see that the first six weeks yeah. but it's going to be when you settle into a routine and you start to see the fruit of it then you can give you a better assessment hey is this the right decision for our family
0: awesome man thank you so much for being with me uh brother paul and brother Hal. uh great advice great wisdom uh just Man, a great show. I'm going to go back and listen to this one (laughs) for myself. (laughs) This has been Aaron Addison here on American Family Radio. Until tomorrow, God bless. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not
2: necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.